Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here, we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We are grateful to have you listening. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at nbkumc.com. prayers they get me in my feels man we gotta repress some of those words what you say you said something along the lines of oh man sorry i mean as a community can't we <laughs> can't we rejoice in the prayers of a brother together i mean it's it's amazing how we get to see and um not to put you i'm not i'm not trying to blow up your spot christian but Romans 12 today we're, today's a loaded sermon on Romans 12 and it talks about the renewing of our mind and it talks about gospel driven transformation and I think one thing that our one one at least I mean all of us are changing and, and growing but one one brother that we can rejoice in the renewal of the mind would be <laughs> the little thing over there you know so um yeah we're continuing through our sermon series on Romans, if you guys are aware of where Romans is, Romans is in is in the New Testament. It's after the book of Acts. It's before 1 Corinthians. Um, so we're reading through the book of Romans. This is chapter 12. I want to, I don't, it's been a long time since I gave a disclaimer. Actually, it's only been a couple weeks since I gave a disclaimer. I'm going to give another disclaimer. This is God's word. This particular sermon is just legitimately all scripture so it's not from it's not coming from a person it's not coming from me I'm not thinking anything about you or assuming anything about you because I don't know anything about you because I'm not God uh nor do I have the right to speak into your life through a sermon like cognizantly it just that's not right the sermon is God's word and so I hope that you can glean from it freely knowing that it's God who's seeing you and not another person um, and that you are free to be convicted you are free to be challenged you are free to be imperfect and you are free to grow so with that Romans 12 I'm gonna read it <clears throat> I'm gonna read it I'll jump I'm gonna jump no I'm gonna read it straight through there's not a single verse to be laha Let's breathe together before we read God's holy and perfect word. <laughs> Let's breathe together. Let's take three deep breaths. Okay, ready? Breathe in and out. If you're not paying attention, now's the time to pay attention. Breathe in and out. One more time. Breathe in and out. This is the word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saint and seize to, seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in praying? Abba, we give you glory. We give you glory for this morning. Father, you approach us with an invitation to be made whole. The good news for the captive, for the broken, that you will be with us, that you will deliver us, that you cleanse us, that you are rebuilding everything as the seasons in our life change. Abba, we pray that you would be magnified in this space, in this sermon, in, in, in this worship. God, I pray that it would be you that stands at the center of it all, that it is you who is glorified and magnified, for you are worthy of it all. Father, I fall prostrate before you, asking God that you would be magnified, that your good news would be proclaimed. Abba, we, we just want to lift up every single person who is listening to the sermon right now from wherever they are. I pray, Abba, that you would give them more and more of you, God. Help us to see you face to face. Help us to know that you are with us and that you are real. Hide me behind your cross so that only you are magnified and glorified. And Father God, for everyone who is distracted, for everyone who is struggling in their faith, I pray God that the Spirit of God would inhabit that space in which they inhabit, that it would fall upon every head, that it would bring clarity, that you would release clarity and peace upon our congregation right now in Jesus' name. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, okay.
Uh, I'm just going to go right in because there's a lot to unpack here. I thought about splitting this verse, this chapter up, um, but I think that it's important to preach certain things side by side. Um, and I thought that this might be the only opportunity that you would hear it side by side. And so, um, the first, this, <laughs> the first two verses of this chapter is one of the most well-preached, well-known chapters, I believe, in the past dwelling place of Arise, I referenced these verses. It is a very, 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 because <clears throat> the, the theme was renewed, and we see that there is the word renewed. Um, and so there there is this element of, you know, lack of surprise here, but we're going to unpack it a little bit, specifically in terms of what God is doing. So this, this verse starts with the word, therefore, therefore, why? We always skip over it. You read it, you read right past it. The word therefore in this chapter is literally saying, therefore, it's a verse chapters one through 11. You are an heir of Christ. Therefore, you have been inherited faith. Therefore, you have sins that you are struggling with that God is getting you through. Therefore, the lies will be defeated by the truth. Therefore right? The gospel is given to you, therefore, right? You might be hardened right now in your heart, but that's not, you know, God is leading us to see him, to not be dulled in our senses, to hear him, like we were talking about last week, to see him with our own eyes. Therefore, I urge you, parakaleo, it's Kaleo is to call to parakaleo. It's like a, it's a, it's an emphasis, right? He's calling and he's urging people. It's, it's a, it's a call. Um, <clears throat> present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. <clears throat> what the heck does that mean? I have always wondered <laughs> growing up what the heck it meant to be a living sacrifice, right? And it's confusing language but we're going to unpack it, right? Present your bodies. To present your bodies is to give your, it's sacrificial language. This is Old Testament sacrificial language. All of it is sacrificial language, but I'm just going to give a spoiler alert here. The sacrificial language is in the context of worship. I'm going to say that one more time. The sacrificial language is in the context of worship. Think about the Old Testament. Sacrifices were a very key element to worship. So when the first thing, I don't even get to these verses, but the first thing you gotta know is when you feel like you are giving something up to God, a lot of us have given something up to God for Lent. Some of us believe that we are giving something up to the Lord in our lives. When you are giving something up to the Lord, when you are acting in obedience, when you are acting in sacrifice, that better be worship. That is literally worship. It is supposed to be worshiping God. It's not, oh God, I'm giving this up to you. But the sacrificial language is specifically pointing the congregation who's reading this, aka the church in Rome, to 
worship. So present your bodies. This word, sarcho, it's used a lot. You know, for God so loved the world, right? Do not, you know, worldly things. Yes, in, in this sense, like the word body, the word flesh, right? He got the Lord, the word became flesh. You know, don't, you are, you are fleshly desires. And you might think that it means like sin or maybe even like your physical body. Like, does this mean I'm outwardly sacrificing myself to God? The word bodies actually is dealing with the whole person. So it's a holistic body. It's like, don't, don't forget, don't just give your eyeball to the Lord, right? Don't just give, don't just give your ear to God. Don't just hear him. We say that all the time. I hear you. I hear you. Right. But there's a difference between hearing and receiving, right? Don't just give your ear up to God. Don't just give your eye up to God. Don't just give your hands up to God. If you're a person that is keen on serving before you would pray. Don't just give your hands up to the Lord. Don't just give your feet up to God. God wants your whole body. Present your whole body as a living sacrifice. Not just your outward bodies, but the whole person. The significance, I want to, I'm, I'm zooming through this because we have to get to the end of this chapter. Um, the significance, I'm so sorry. You're going to feel battered after this. I apologize. You, the significance of a living sacrifice. This is very confusing as well. All throughout society and scripture, sacrifice is given in the context of blood. Jesus, like our, our Lord and Savior, died for us and resurrected for us. I don't mean to point us there, but the line, the witch, and the wardrobe, right? Aslan dies. C.S. Lewis does a very critical, as a theologian, he does a very critical thing by making sure that there is a blood sacrifice. And so in the context of our lives, when we think, you know, you die to yourselves and you come alive in Christ's baptismal, when you get baptized, you die with him, you live with him. There's this giving up, you give up your life for the Lord, your life is no longer, there's this constant death to self but god says present yourself as a living sacrifice why is that significant it's because the person who did the dying is jesus this is going to be difficult for us to consider when christ when scripture says die to yourself scripture is saying die to your flesh dying to your sin even though maybe that Maybe like dying to that desire that is greater than your desire for God, even if it's like a relationship or like a, your future, something that is really good. It might feel so, it might feel like detrimental to die to yourself in that, right? It might be painful. And so we're like, oh, we have to give this up for the Lord. No, God doesn't want you to die for him. He died for you so that you can live for him. So when it says to present your whole person as a living sacrifice, if sacrifice is in the context of worship, and it's not just your eye, your ear, your hands, your feet, not just your mind, not just your heart, but your whole self as a living sacrifice. The, the significance of the life is Christ died so that you don't die. So anybody need you to die for God? If you do, I mean, martyrs, that, that's amazing. Martyrdom is something that God really honors. But martyrdom isn't just about the death. It's about the life and the faith behind that soul. Where devotion leads to going to the end of the line for the Lord. That's, that's what we've seen throughout scripture. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
for this is only reasonable, right? This is talking about the reasonability to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Or honestly, you don't even have to say all of the present your body as a living. Give your whole self to God. As like your life, right? For this is only reasonable. There's use the holy, pleasing to God. This is also more sacrifice language. This is where we really see that it is connected to worship. I want to point out something here. The fundamental sin that human beings engage in is the failure to worship God. The fundamental sin of the human condition is the failure to worship God. Those who do worship God, they give their entire lives over to him so that he is honored and praised in everything that they do. Because this is reasonable. Why is sacrificing to God reasonable? Because you're a good person? Because of course you would do that. Of course Jane Doe would sacrifice to God. You know, Jane Doe's been sacrificing to God. Of course Amy would sacrifice to God because Amy's been sacrificed. No, no, no. It's because God is worthy. And it brings in the context of worship. Do not be shaped, conformed by this world. Do not be shaped by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. To be transformed by the renewal. Do not be do not conform to this world, but to be but be transformed with the renewal of your mind. I want to make a connection between this word mind and the word body before. That can't be lost on us. That the word mind and body are in the same, like the same couple verses, right? Why? Our actions come from our thoughts. A lot of the times people think like, you know, it's, a, it's like an outward, inward transformation dichotomy thing. No, the, the contrast is actually between conformity to the world and transformation by the renewal of your mind. So what is contrasting? On one end, you can either be shaped by the world. On the other end, you can be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I'm going to say that one more time. On one end, you can be shaped by the world. And on another end, you can be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And this key to the mind is that the our body, we just talked about giving your whole self to God for it's reasonable, right? Our whole body and the way that we worship, the way that we sacrifice, the difference in whether or not we just give our eyeballs, see God on Sundays and then never else for the rest of the week, or hear God sometimes and never else for the rest of the week, and we don't offer our whole person, that has to do with the mind. Whether or not you are in a state that you can present yourself to God has to do with the status of your mind. It has to do what, and what, what scripture is talking about. It's not, he's not, God isn't just, I mean, I would love it. I love when God gets cerebral, but this isn't just a cerebral thing. God is saying your actions are defined by your thoughts. He doesn't care about what you're doing as much as he cares about the inside. 
And so he is not judging anybody from what they are on the outside, but he wants the substance of your thoughts. He wants to be involved in your inner process. Are you being shaped more by the world or are you being shaped by God? That is going to determine your worship. That is going to determine whether or not you are able to present your whole body, your life, to the Lord in worship. So there's also something to be noted, right? When it's renewal of your mind on one side and being shaped by the world on another, that means the renewal of your mind is the opposite of being shaped by the world. Which means that conforming to the world cannot transform people. It cannot renew you. It cannot give you life. I am going to say that one more time. To be shaped To let your thoughts be shaped by the world more than God will not give you life. And transformation. Let me give you an example. If you are so invested with what is going on in the world today, that you are jaded, I am, I am getting to the point, right? Because it's, it's hard. I, I, it's not quite like I've been sheltered from a lot of these things. Like it, it has been a difficult year. I know a lot of us are bitter about what has gone down in 2020. And, and, you know, it's, it, we've hit a year mark a couple of days ago of being in quarantine. Um, and I, I have to say, I feel you because, you know, the ways that we see anti-Asian hate, like, across the way that we see the way that we saw our a brother in christ george floyd pass right that was almost a year ago now right maybe a couple months shy ahmaud aubrey was technically last february um it should be a year since we found out about brianna so like it's just a lot right um And you can get, I mean, I, I, I already am jaded, right? But when you allow the world and the world's concept of justice and righteousness, even something good like that, if you allow the world to inform your thoughts more than what scripture says, that does not bring life. I don't care how moral you think you are. Just because it coincides with some morals in scripture does not mean that the main motivation for your thoughts and your morals is the Bible. Being conformed to the world does not bring life. Period. Okay? That's it. And then it talks about being transformed. It gives us this dichotomy and then it talks about being transformed. Now, what I like about this word transformed, other than, you know, obviously being transformed by the renewal of your mind, the renewal of your mind, you know what that's talking about? It sounds so like, oh, renewal, 
Like, it sounds like, what is that, right? It is very practical. This is why I don't like English. It is a very practical thing in the, old, in the original language because it is literally talking about patterns of thinking. You're like, oh, how do I be renewed in my mind? It is exactly what you think it is. Patterns of thinking. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, how do you do that? The key is in the verb. Be transformed. What do I mean by that? When something is being transformed, are they doing the transforming? Please hear me when I say this, right? When you are being, when your patterns are thinking are being renewed, are you the one doing the change? It says be transformed. There are two elements to this. It's a passive verb, which means you and I cannot change ourselves. You can do the best you can. They say you build a new habit every six weeks. And that's great. I think that's great. If you build new habits in your life, that's good for you. Let me tell you though, transformation, gospel-centered transformation, it is not your works. God forbid if you think that. You have to be transformed. But here's the other thing about being transformed. Then what is our action in being transformed? Jane, how do I change my patterns? I just have to sit and wait. No, no, no. You got to let yourself. Hello, you got to let yourself be transformed. You sitting on your butts day in, day out, looking at your Bible and not opening it is not letting yourself be transformed. Now, the Bible does not determine your faith. Like it, it doesn't determine, it does determine, it tells you about faith. It doesn't, it doesn't determine your status with the Lord by any means. But to let God into your thoughts, you got to expose yourself to him. It's not osmosis. Even when you study for a test, how the heck do you pass? You expose yourself to the knowledge that's present. You cannot just sleep on the book and it does not seep into your brain. You have got to put in the effort to understand what is going on. God is saying he cares about you and he wants to change your mind. So are you going to let him transform you? And what is he going to transform? Yes, he's transformed you. Yes, spiritually, the gospel saves. Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins. Child of God by faith. Listen to the Romans 8 sermon if you haven't because it's good, okay? Great, that's great. That's all good. What God is out to transform in contrast to conformity with this world is your mind. Are you letting God transform your mind? Say you are reading. Maybe you're doing the discipleship initiative. And maybe you're coming on Sundays, but you are not applying the scriptures into your life. How much are you letting God change the way you think? Or do you put God's word on a shelf and then take it out every Sunday? How much do you let God change your life?
Ain't nobody got, ain't, ain't nobody saying you gotta be at a mountain and like meditate on the Lord day and night and completely lose sight with reality. That is not what I'm saying. But there is a difference. And y'all know, y'all can be defensive at me all you want. I am not the determiner of how you are doing and how open you are to the Lord right now. Only you know that, and it's honestly not my place. I don't even want to know how, I mean, I do want to know how everybody is doing, but it's not my business. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pry. You know, and that's between you and the Lord. How open are you to be transformed by the renewal of your mind? And then the result of that is that you will discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. This, 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 it's a result thing, but it's also a purpose thing. And it's discovering God's good and perfect will. It's, uh, there's this word like, I believe by testing, right? And it's a process by testing. That's a process, um, of, a, of, of examining your heart. Of examining where you are with the Lord. Of examining your state. And testing that against what God's word says. And even possibly against your community. Notice here. That every way of living out the renewal of your mind is communal. I was reading, I was looking at my Facebook memories and man, 2015 Jane, oh no, 2016 Jane in March knew what she was saying and forgot about that good, that good news for a little while. But she, she had picked up on something that Timothy Lane and Paul David Tripp had said in How People Change. And he, they had said, people believe that in order to grow, they go to God alone whether it be quiet time, individual devotion, somehow people have gotten it into your head that you can grow just by being with God alone. When people grow, they grow together. Rehab centers, literal rehabilitation centers are not convents where you stay in your own room every day. When you want to break a habit, when you want to break an addiction, you surround yourself with accountability along the way. It takes a whole village, all right, for the, the transformation of the renewal of your mind. It is not just you, it takes your village for that. So letting yourself be transformed might not just have to do with your exposure to scripture, but it also might have to do with your willingness to be with your community. You got to hear it from me. I ain't always going to be here. North Boston is always going to be here. I would love to always be here. I will always be here for you. But the people that are in this community that you are surrounding yourself with, they are your village. When you grow, you grow together, not apart. You are not God. If God is three, don't think that you can do it on your own. That is humility and encouragement at the same time. You want your mind to change? 
God, I want to break these patterns. I want to break these addictions that I have. And those addictions don't always have to be substance. You could be addicted to yourself. You could be addicted to your phone. You could be addicted to the people you love. You could be addicted to success, addicted to the taste of money. I don't know what you're addicted to. I don't know what you're hooked on right now. You want to break a habit? You have got to let God. And you have got to let God's people help you transform. You know, when it's like when people say, like, when you think more positively, you, that you'll live a more positive life. And when you're cynical, often life leads to self-fulfilling prof prophecies, right? They say, you know, if you're going to be down on yourself, when you live thinking, like, all I have is myself, then it, you're, it, you end up with this self-fulfilling prophecy, even if you had people around you. Gradually, you push people out until you have nobody anymore again, right? When you say... When you think, oh, I've been disadvantaged all my life, and you live in reaction to that every day, you'll hurt enough people that you, it will be another self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, when you think you're not good enough, and so because of that, you don't make steps, like you lose confidence in walking into your future, that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? No, I'm not good enough to go into this field. I really, this is what I want to do, but I'm not good enough, right? That will be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you think like that, right? So when you think, you end up living that way. And that's, that's what this renewal of your mind is about. We have habits, cycles of thinking, whether it be cynicism, right? a particular perspective about the world and about people, whether it be a cycle of thinking that is debilitating, that is hard and it breaks yourself down, whether it's a cycle of victimization where you are constantly blaming people in your life for your pain, that it leads to self-fulfilling prophecies. And God wants you to be free from these things, but it takes the renewal of your mind, the willingness to let God and let God's people in. The measure of your growth. Is also the measure of your willingness as well. Um, and then it goes into this life of a community of minds that are transformed by the gospel. There are a lot of verses I highly recommend everybody meditate on with them on their own. Um, but I'm just going to go through some like key themes, right? The first, and this is what I love about this is that God literally says, okay, present yourselves, your whole selves, not half yourselves, not a quarter as a living sacrifice. Present your life to me as worship for that's reasonable. And don't, don't be shaped by the world, but be transformed by the patterns of your thinking. Allow God to transform you and allow God's people to keep you accountable on the way so that by testing, you can discern what is, you can discern the will of God. 
And it's this promise that as we are transformed, we will be able to go on this journey of being refined and being able to discern the will of God. As your mind is shaped more by God than it is by the world, the will of God will become clearer. For those of you guys who are like, I don't understand what God wants of me right now. I want to ask, are you transformed? Because God loves you and he's got a plan for you. But like I said, the measure of your transformation or your growth will also be proportionate to your willingness. And this first practical renewal of the mind, the practical, for those of you guys who like practical application, don't worry, 20 verses for the two verses, right? The first thing is humility and sober-mindedness. God says, see yourself. Do not think of yourself more highly than you should. But proportionate, be sober-minded about the way you see yourself. Why is God saying this? Why is that the first application? It's because the non-Christian perspective revolves around the self. I am going into this major because this is what this major can do for me. I am going into this community and I am serving in this club and I am being a part of these activities because that's what I can, even if it's community service, because this will benefit me. I am going to join this group of friends because this is how it will benefit me. The non-Christian perspective revolves around self-betterment, which is another, another way to say self-centeredness. And I'm not saying like selfishness, it's just literally, the word literally, it's centered around the self. Um, but God says, when you are transformed by the renewal of your mind, you are now no longer seeing yourself just in relationship to you and God, but you are also seeing yourself in relationship to the world around you, right? You are seeing yourself in relationship to the world around you. When you are able to live a life that is transformed by the gospel, it centers your mind off of yourself and it puts you in the perspective of what? The body. This is critical. If, and I want to challenge you guys about something because I feel really strongly about this. If your growth with the Lord is only personal, your purpose is not personal. If your growth, even in your walk with God, God, you spoke to God on a good day and all it is is just about your life and not about the relationships that you have with other people that God loves. If there is no decentering of the self, question, am I being transformed by the renewal of my mind? Because God does not miss a beat when it comes to the community. If 
Your life revolves around yourself, your needs, and your interests. Consider, am I being transformed by the renewal of my mind? It is possible to use your hands for the body of Christ and do it for yourself. It is possible. God doesn't condemn it. You are not a, like, we are all sinners, but you are not condemned to hell if that's the case. Definitely not. And you will wrestle with that. Even as a leader, you will find yourself wrestling with wanting to do it for yourself and doing it for other people. You will find yourself wrestling with that, right? And that's okay. It's okay to wrestle with these things, but you better be wrestling. Don't sit on your butt and think that it's okay to just stay there. God did not create you just for you. The gospel is not a feel-good experiment that benefits your life and your success. That is not the gospel. And so the first thing he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you, sh you ought to. And then what, did he, what does he go into? Something that's seemingly very disconnected, the members of the body of Christ and their gifts. So let me get this straight. The opposite of self-centeredness is humility and activity in the body. Do you hear this? I'm going to say something. And I don't want you guys to take it as me sh taking shots. Because it's not. But there is something about this new generation of Americans, right? We are very, very focused on the self. Let me tell you, one of the leading causes of burnout in the church was centeredness on the self. Whether it is of the servant or the people in the body that miss the servant. And exploit servants. So much of brokenness in the body has to do with congregation members and servants and leaders missing the mark, missing the focus of this point. In some cases, it's the servant's centeredness on the self. In other cases, it's the congregation members' inability to see the servant because they're too busy looking at their own selves. It's really unfortunate. The gospel is still present in the, in the American church. God still reigns. But this is still a problem that it eats at the life of the church. So this opposite of that is Exercising your gifts. I got something to say about this. Gifts carried out. It talks about prophecy, teaching, exhortation, service, mercy. I love it, right? I got, I got a couple things to say about this. When you live out your gifts, when you practice your gifts, that's your worship. So when you serve people, that's your worship. When you lead people, that's your worship. When you praise God, that's your worship. When you welcome people in to the body of Christ and practice 
hospitality. That's your worship. You don't do it to get a smile. You don't do it to get recognition. It's your worship. And I will also say this. I have found that when we do not practice our gifts, we suffer. So if, for example, if you are a worshiper, if you are a person that God is gifted with praise, and that is your passion, but for whatever reason, you choose to stay off your instruments in this time of quarantine, and you are wondering why you are whittling away. Are you practicing your gifts? And not just for yourself in your secret place, but for the body. It's a real question. It's really something to consider. If you don't let other people carry out their gifts, they suffer and you suffer. So if by your overzealousness, an opportunity is lacking for another person to serve, they suffer and you suffer. One of the ways that I have been decentering North Boston is to decenter it from my, me, the pastor. You will find that there are more people leading more faces that you're seeing other than just Pastor Jane. That's because we all need to practice our gifts. And church is not a one-man show. This is your church. This is your community. Right? And it's not a competition. When we get competitive about gifting, I'm not saying that anybody has, but when we do get competitive about gifting, that's also, it comes from an insecurity that God doesn't love us enough, that he has gifted another person more than us. If you notice, it says by the measure of their faith. You will practice your gifts to the appropriate measure of your faith. It got, it don't got nothing to do with what another person has. When I was praise team leader in college, there was a, I, I made a lot of vocalists cry. And that's not because, um, this is just the only like practical application that I can give. I made a lot of vocalists cry because they got really insecure about singing around me. I don't know why, their voices are perfectly beautiful and very different from mine. But I had to deal with that a lot. And so I would go to their rooms or their dorms and bring my guitar and we would have to jam it out together until they felt comfortable enough singing around me again. Because they would get too in their heads like, oh no, I'm not good enough to be on this team. Um, but that doesn't just come from an insecurity about your gifts, that comes from an insecurity about whether or not you think God loves you enough. My answer to your insecurity about your gifts is you're fine. I cannot reassure you of God's love for you enough <laughs> you're really okay do what you need to do in the life of this church for your benefit because it benefits us you living out your gifts benefits you you letting other people living out their gifts benefits them a thriving church is a church that is practicing their gifts and that comes hand in hand with humility and worship While I love the image of the Kiwe Opa, 
um, for, for those of you guys who aren't Korean, that is the church older brother. I am usually talking about that guy on the praise team holding the acoustic guitar that all the girls had a crush on at some point. That is super, super kind. And his kindness is misleading. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, his kindness is misleading in moments, right? It happens. But don't be focused on a person like that. Living out your gifts is worship. So you should not be looking at another person or, about, or to yourself. And it comes as a full response of God's love for you. It is our obedience is a response to God's grace. It's not an act of extraordinary devotion. So living out our gifts is just worship. And then there's this element of love in action. I'm going to breeze through this, but I'm going to point out some key points, okay? Because clearly here, I love, there's a book by Bob Goff. I really want to recommend it to all of you guys. That man is a wonderful soul. This book makes me cry. I won't get into why. You could read it on your own. Bob Goff, love does. And it's clear here that love isn't is. It's not just is, but love does. Love in action is the rest of this chapter. So it's humility, living out your gifts, and love in action. Those are three ways that the renewal of your mind turns to. Do you feel like you are lacking love for God's people or for yourself? That might point to a lack of transformation of the renewal of your mind. Sincere love and many facets of it, right? This, he first goes, let love be sincere. Outdo one another in showing honor. Brotherly affection and devotion. The key, I love the word devotion because this is in the context of what? This is in the context of what? The church. The church. The church. Love and action is in the church. Your active love is in the church. Jane, though, I don't really know how to hang out with my church people anymore. Love and action is in the church. Love and action is in the church. It points to a transformation of the renewal of your mind. Being devoted to one another. Devotion to one another. That is two aspects. Intimacy or vulnerability and tenderness. Scripture talks about being set on fire for the spirit, which shows that this love comes from God and not from us. Don't sap yourself dry and roll yourself out on a steamroller for the sake of other people. That is not what God is asking of you. It is out of God's love that you love others. I struggle in loving people too. Yo, I get pissed off all the time. I'm from New York. I literally get pissed off all the time. I don't vocalize it anymore. If I was the person that I was, I would be pissed off all the time. 
I am not, my love is not enough to love you guys the way that you deserve to be loved by your pastor. I constantly draw from the well. Not because you guys are hard to love, but because I am not as loving a person. Because I need God. And that's okay. Then it talks about living in harmony with other, other people. I'm going to skip, like nearly skip through this overcoming evil with God by refusing to retaliate. But I if you want to talk about it, actually, I'll talk about it a little bit. But living in harmony with others has to do with seeking peace. It is not good. I know, you know, the reason why John and I are best friends, the reason why John and I became best friends is because we both love tea. <laughs> because John sips tea all the time. And so do I, right? Now I don't really, I'm not really one for the drama. He is still one for the drama. Sorry, John. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just, he's really kind. Don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. So living in harmony with one another, right? As much as it is fun, it is not great to sip tea. I know. I am also dramatic. It is going to be difficult for us to whittle this out of our lives, but we must. <laughs> unnecessary conflict is by nature unnecessary. Lots of conflict can just be solved with communication. Jane, though, what if people are not willing to communicate with me when they are in conflict? Leave it to the Lord. God clearly says, God will avenge. Leave it to the Lord. God will vindicate you. And this goes into overcoming evil with God by refusing to retaliate. And it quotes Proverbs. When you are kind to your enemies, it is like putting heaping burning coals over their head. Heaping burning coals over their head, right? That's because you are not the judge, God is. You might say, Jane Doe, it is so hard to do this in a world that doesn't do it. And my answer to that is God sees you. God sees your heart and he sees where you're at and he sees that it is difficult and he honors that. Just as much as it is difficult to live a renewed life, God also honors your process. He doesn't expect it to be an overnight thing. So don't expect yourself to do it overnight. Show yourself grace and let yourself trust the process that God is taking you on because God is out, out to grow you. He's not out to condemn you. It's okay if you have a hard time sometimes. In summary slash application, right? A new orientation in our thinking leads to a new orientation in behavior. Remember this, y'all. God wants your thoughts. I'm gonna quote, I'm gonna quote Keith Green again. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money, I want your life. And I hear you say that I'm coming back soon, but you act like I'll never return. This song is written in the perspective of God. 
and it is really humbling if you want to take a listen. It freaks you out because there's just like like really bright piano. He goes la 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 in, in between, but it's freaky. Um, <laughs> how convicting it is. Um, God wants your lives. He wants to be a part of your process. So let God and let God's people do that with you. Let God transform you. I know the world is attractive, but it doesn't do you any good. Worship is a way of life and not a song on Sunday. That is something to apply right now into your life. Worship is a way of life, not a song on Sunday. We've said this over and over again, and I know you've heard this before, but examine your life right now. By testing, test, examine yourself. What way of life are you living in? What, are you, what shapes your thoughts? Is it this world? Whether or not the things that are going on in this world or what the world is telling is good and evil? Or is it the Lord? And how much are you willing to let God change your thoughts? God cares about informed worship. There's this other element. God cares about informed worship. Don't just sit here and check out. Engage with your mind. Ask questions. God can handle all your questions. Engage with your mind. Worship is not a feel-good experience only. It is a holistic one. Think through it. Don't avoid it. Think through what God is telling you. Think through how God wants to transform you. Think through the application of it. Don't just sit and receive it. Be willing to think about it and engage with the word of God. At the same time, don't just let the word of God be a thought experiment and then you leave it there. On the other end, there might be people that think a lot about the word of God and it don't got nothing to do with their life. That ain't right either. You got to let your revelations change your life. You got to let your convictions turn into commitments. Let yourself be transformed. Humility. See yourself with a sober mind. We are often not as great as we think we are. And not every conflict is just because of the other person. Acknowledge that and acknowledge God. The secret to humility is acknowledging God. Acknowledging that God is on the throne, not you. It's hard. But guys, it's lovely. You never have to do it on your own. Your, your actions are covered by the grace of your father. As you take his orders, he will see it through. Are you kidding me? That's so much security. That's so much support. Why would you choose to center your life on yourself over that? See yourself with a clear lens. Gifts, live them out. You have a gift that is rotting in the soil. Tell me, give me an opportunity to help you grow. 
Love in action, not just in your words, but love in action. God's purpose for you is not individual. That is an American lie. You are for the body of Christ just as much. Remember to see the people around you. To be in harmony with everyone. Some of you, for some of you, that means that you guys might have to go on a journey of forgiveness. Then so be it. God's not going to push you. He'll take you on the way that you can handle. He sees your pains and he sees your hurts. But don't let yourself be judged during executioner. Don't do that to yourself. Let God, let God handle it. Take a step back. Because he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Y'all. That's a lot. I don't know what called out to you. There's a lot. <laughs> so, there's a lot here. And you might be wondering, like, these all feel very disconnected. It's because those way of living, those ways of acting is part of what a transformed life looks like. So as you let God transform you, as you let in the people in your life that love God and love you, and you let God in into that space, as you learn to be vulnerable with your community, as you learn to do things together and do life together, as you learn to live into the gifts that God has given you, as you learn to let God change the patterns of your thoughts, test yourself against this passage. Am I loving in action? Is my life centered on myself? Am I exhibiting humility? Am I willing to use my gifts for the church? Or do I see it as a waste of time? Test whether or not you are being transformed by the renewal of your mind. And remember that God does not want you to just pour your life out and steamroll. God cares about you and he will care for you. And he will teach you how to care for yourself. I'm not teaching you guys to be, to burn yourselves out all the way down into the ground. Definitely not, okay? Are you being transformed by the renewal of your mind? Have you presented yourself to the Lord? Let's take some time to pray about this. Where do you stand in this transformation? Is this on? Is this on? Yeah. Okay. Where are you in your transformation? Where are you willing to go with God? Some of you guys might feel really defensive right now. And if that's you, hey, I really relate. I want you to know that I really relate, okay? 
I felt called out like literally every other verse. I was like, how am I going to preach this today? Because I am not, I'm sure all of you guys have seen me fail in some way. So I just want to point you to the fact that you can trust the process and it's okay not to be perfect. But don't be comfortable in your conformity to the world. Let God transform your mind. Let's let God transform our minds together. Can we just, where, from wherever you guys are, can we open our hands to God as we pray? Say, God, here's my life. Here's my gifts. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to come to you today as I am. And I'm presenting myself, God. Would you put me in my place? Put yourself in your proper place in my heart. Would you help me? I want to let you change the way I think. I want to let you change the way that I love. I want to let you into my process. I want to know what you have for me. Can we take this moment to, to let God in? If you guys are convicted, remember, don't condemn yourself. This isn't a call to like step down and all of these things. Like, Let God into your thoughts. Let God into your process. He wants to use you. He wants to be with you. He cares about your life. So would you just, would you just pray to let God into your process right now? Let's let God in. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray. From wherever you are listening, we hope you were blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at nbkumc.com.